0: It's been one year since those at the heart of Detroit's early education and care system, educators and families were first impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In this Table Talk episode, I check in with early education and care providers across the city, along with some of their families to learn about what they've experienced. I learned what they believe must be true and how we move forward this year especially as Hope Starts Here continues the work of putting young children and families first. Each educator that I speak with has a unique experience and each brings an important perspective to our conversation. From the provider on the east side of Detroit who opened her program right before the start of the pandemic, to a lead and assistant teaching pair who teach pre-kindergarten as part of the Great Star Readiness Programming at their elementary school in Southwest Detroit. We invite you to join our conversation as we listen to and learn from each other, as we step back to step forward to our future work here in the city of Detroit. So join Ms. Valentine and Ms. Sanchez, Ms. Cherie Williams, Ms. Peronica Williams, and Ms. Wilson, their families, and me, for a seat at the table.
1: Welcome to the Hope Starts Here podcast, designed for open discussions where families, businesses, child educators, and more share stories on topics supporting the overall well-being of Detroit families on all sides of the spectrum. So come, join the discussion. Join us at the table. Over the
0: past year, there have been many stories about Detroit and the experiences of local residents. What part of that story has not been told that you'd like to give voice to today? How about we start um, with you, Miss Wilson?
2: Um, well, I think um, some some sto- well, one story that may not have been told is. Um, social media—how it's just been flooded with uh, false information with COVID in the pandemic—and um, I just think that one of the best ways to get um, the facts about the um, about this pandemic would pretty much just be to listen and follow the CDC guidelines.
0: Thank you for that, Ms. Wilson is. Uh, with uh, little mama's childcare, and yes, I'm going to h- ask to hear from her parent, who was also with us today, Miss Allison. And if you could answer the same
2: question, please.
3: Yeah, sure. So just to kind of piggy- piggyback off of uh, Demetria, um, I just find it. I mean, it was very frightening in the beginning of the, you know, 2020. It was scary for a lot of uh, parents, families, you know. So many people have lost their lives. So to me, um, when I first heard about the COVID and children even dying from COVID, you know, I think at some point it was kind of um, misleading because you would have, you know, articles come out and on the network saying that children are passing away from COVID. But then we are lost as to how, you know, if there is any other health issues just a, a lot of the misleading information being able to do research on my own figure. So thank
4: you for that. Lo más, lo más triste es como ver como muchas personas tuvieron mucha depresión sobre lo del COVID, que fue algo que impresionó a todos. Pero en lo regular para, para mí fue algo como vamos a decir que vamos a, Tuve la fuerza porque uno tiene que ser fuerte para ayudar a los los niños a que no llegaran a la depresión. Es algo que que uno como papá, digo, tenemos que tener más fuerza para,
5: para ayudar en ese proceso. Gracias. The okay, subjects. one of she said one of the most sad things is how see the people uh get a depression and mm-hmm. um another thing is how the kids how need to help the kids to don't get the depression and see how many families lost somebody. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes, thank
0: you for sharing. Gracias. Ms. Valentine, can you answer that same question? What do you want to give voice to?
2: I would like to give voice for providers. I think during this pandemic, um, we were as providers, as teachers, um, we were providing resources and meeting those needs. But so often we felt that ourselves, we needed those same resources. And so I feel like it hasn't been an opportunity to um shed light on providers. They needed that extra care as well while they were still providing um support for their families that they had.
0: so to be clear, we're talking about social emotional supports for both families, children, and providers. Yes? Okay. Okay, I want to switch with the same question though, and now I'm going to my nannies, child care. What, what do you want to give voice to? Uh, well, I want to speak to the
2: on behalf of the providers, also, especially the small providers, the home providers. It seemed that we were forgotten during the pandemic. You know, um, we wasn't uh, essential staff until they figured out without the providers, the parents couldn't go back to work. And they didn't provide that until they understood, well, you can't can't operate without the provider. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to take care of the children. And somebody have in order for the parents to go to work, those who had jobs to go to work, they needed the provider. So um, not until lately, I mean, later on in the pandemic, that they found out, oh, we need the providers. We need to call them essential. Yes, there's a
0: lot of efforts to make sure that you all, as early childhood educators, were elevated as essential. It is one of the uh, communication campaigns, in fact, that Hope Starts Here is running right now. You'll see billboards on our freeways and and on Woodward, one of the main thoroughfares, saying just that. that Early childhood education is essential uh, to not only parents and families, but to our economy. And so we want to make sure that we continue to, to elevate and reinforce that message because it is true. Miss Jasmine, same question for you. I can repeat it for you. Oh. Over the past year, what have been the stories that you want told that you haven't heard?
2: Oh, well, I pretty much agree with, um, what is it, Miss Williams? What she said about um, them uh, giving us information about the COVID, vac- I mean, not vaccine, the COVID um, pandemic and everything. And you know, I just agree with what they're saying. That was
0: true. What you mentioned vaccine, so I'm gonna to segue there a little oh. bit. What do you feel about the vaccine and particularly in this community?
2: Um, well, I have a lot of mixed emotions about the vaccine because it, it came out so fast and it took it took how long for the flu uh vaccine to be out and then it just came out with this one in seven months or so. So I, I have mixed uh, feelings about that. Um, a few people in my family took it and they did perfectly fine with it, no symptoms, no signs. But then you hear about some people that have passed from it. So, you know, it's just real different. Yeah. So
0: I'm um, asking this question because I know there is a lot of information, some of it valid and some of it not. Um, That's floating in our community. And I do have the privilege of sitting on and working on as chair of women's and families committee for Protect Michigan um, to ensure that there is information in our community about what's happening. So I, I appreciate your comment about how long it's been out there. The truth of the matter is that this vaccine has been out for many years. Um, This particular strain of COVID Mm has only landed in these past couple of years, but the trials for the actual virus itself and the strain of it has been in study and experimentation for many years before this particular strain of it hit. So it has been studied um, and the ones that are out right now have a lot of testing um, that back it up. So I do want to be able to share that with our community as we continue our conversation today. So let me uh, ask the same question if you don't mind to Ms. Cherie Williams, who is the director of Agape Love. Uh, Can you tell us about your experiences? What hasn't been told that you want heard?
2: I just started my daycare last year and literally basically January because I was only open for a month in December. I mean, a week in December. And then COVID happened in March. So for me, it's the vulnerability of the new childcare businesses that have opened and already started behind trying to get up. And then with COVID, it's like even more of a struggle. And I feel like there needs to be more of a push for um, financial assistance mm-hmm. for those type of providers. Um, you know, even when I had to close, I was not able to get different grants because I was closed and didn't have a kid in attendance. But then I had kids that were home with their parents because you know, the virus, everybody was scared and I can't force them to come. And then, um, you know, people still home, working from home, can't afford it. So you're stuck in this um, icky predicament, yet it's like, who's working for that new business owner that already started behind and now pushed even harder behind, but it's like, You're fighting every day and all I can do is look at the bright side and keep pushing. And thankfully, you know that I have a husband that can support me, but everybody's not in that position. So I really think they really need to look at those um, those new childcare businesses that have just opened or look a little bit deeper into the struggle of that provider.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, And I'm wondering if you found any difference in the rounds of child care relief funds that came out? Did you find that the last rounds were more responsive to your particular position and situation or not?
2: The last round, I got zero. That yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. what really hurt me because I didn't have any kids at the time, even though you can be open. But if, if I, when I started the child care only had, um, I think, Four kids. And then when COVID happened, it was like, okay, everybody's home. Well, then you had one child that was here, her parents are working from home, you know, and different situations. So nobody's here. And then I have my own child. Mm -hmm. So he can be the only one here, but yet he doesn't count. So I'm still considered, okay, even though I'm saying, okay, I'm open, I just have my child, where you're considered not open. So I got zero for round six, which supported providers for. Um, October, November, no, October, September, October, November, the December, something like that. December, yes. months. Mm-hmm, Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, and here it is March and we're still pushing every day, but it is a struggle. And um, so I think that that's not told enough,
0: you know. Thank you.
2: Well, I know some of the governor's
0: rec- uh, recommendations right now is to pay you all for enrollment versus attendance. Um, it is a temporary measure, though, so we need you to continue to elevate your voices to ensure that those kind of measures or contracts. Are in place to support you, uh, especially during this time. So let me move to another question. I, I'm wondering, given everything that you all have shared right now, what has this last year taught you about yourself, about your children?
4: Um como cerraron las <laughs> escuelas y todo como no sabíamos nada de internet, yo no sabía más o, más o menos cómo se manejaba todo lo que es tecnología. Y um, me, me dejó la enseñanza de que uno tiene que hacer el esfuerzo de, de hacer este uh, hasta lo imposible. A veces hasta te desesperas, lo que sea, pero uh, de poner uh, el empeño como de sacar adelante a tus niños y darles pues, el, el, el apoyo. Okay. Uh, say, um, that is el apoyo para no no se sienta como como que no pueden sí nos costó pero pero al último sí aprendimos a
5: a sobrellevar las clases okay she said ah the last year she have uh, experiencing uh, how is it difficult when uh, we don't have a uh, uh, teachers and the kids uh-huh just stop in the home and start to learn by themselves. And she said she don't know, um, understand nothing about the computer mm. kids either. And um, one of the things um, she knows is because we need to start to appreciate the, the things that we have and... Mm-hmm. And another thing is, she say another thing is we need to take care of, um themselves, show the kids' house, everything.
0: I appreciate that very much. So we're talking about the technology divide and caring for the caregiver Um, in that response. Appreciate that. Can you answer it for, for me now, Ms. Sanchez? What have you learned about yourself, about the children in this past year?
5: Um, I can talk like provider. Um, I just work a couple of months um, before we stop. Uh, it's very difficult for me to see uh, how the parents uh, have a lot of issues with uh, kids when they start. They don't know. They call us um, and ask a lot of questions either if they have a children's home, they call us. And um, for, I'm like a a mom because I have a daughter five years years old. When all um, schools close, I I need to show her um, the education in home, but it's very difficult because you don't have the patience you don't have the time. You need to be continued to do um, making everything in your home, and um, we feel like I needed teachers. I needed teachers back, but um, and the, when we uh, wake up from the bedroom dream, <laughs> mm. um, I'll say like. Uh, I understand we need to continue either if don't have anything.
0: Thank you, thank you. I, I it it has been uh, a bad dream for us this past year uh and hopefully we're coming waking up from it. Miss Valentine, what have you learned about yourself uh about your children
2: during this time? During this pandemic it gave me an opportunity to kind of pause for a minute and get to really know who my children are. Um, I really don't think we had the opportunity before because we were in this normal routine of get up, go to school, go to work. And so it really gave my children an opportunity to see um, what it looks like outside of the classroom, outside of the building. Um, but also gave me as a parent on the other side an opportunity to see what it is that my children really enjoy doing, um, the things that I put pressure on them to do, um, for us to to find that happy balance in between, that opportunity to really get to know who my families were, and to speak kind of a and the circumstances, my children in my classroom, where they were coming for, and what other resources I needed to know in order to assist them.
0: Demetria, well <gasps> let's, uh, let's go to you.
2: <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, okay, so what I... <laughs> Feel this last year what it has taught me um, is uh, basically just not to be fearful. Mm. Just to be more open-minded. Um, this pandemic ha- has not only shut me down as far as being open-minded with the vaccine and whatnot. Um, so it's just kind of Getting just more information um, out there, learning more things, how to just to prepare yourself that if it ever happens again, we will know, we'd be just more prepared on what to do. And um, it has also uh, allowed me to to just um, spend more time with family, not to take people for granted, you know, because we lost a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of relatives, you know. So pretty much that's pretty much what has um
0: helped me. What have you learned or seen in the children that you
2: care for your own? Um well what I've learned from my children, um, I haven't noticed too much fear in the children, especially mm-hmm. when they come to daycare. It's like it's like a different um they're they're just more involved with each other interacting okay. with each other you know so i haven't noticed anything like negative per se
0: so do you, you've seen them be um, more resilient being able to adapt as well oh definitely. You yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. easily adapt into the whole situation
0: yeah okay. awesome mm-hmm. thank you for sharing i'm a i want to hear from the parents now so i'm a shake it up a little bit and go to Ms. Jasmine first. What have you learned about yourself, about your children during this past year?
2: Um, this past year with the pandemic, I want patience because you have to have patience to go through your everyday with the pandemic, especially with work. I work at in the hospital, so I had to adjust to the new environment that I'm in now. Um, I had to, I learned more about the proper PPE. I didn't know anything about stuff like that until now. Um, and really, with my baby, she's only one, so she don't really know what's going on. She
0: just going with it. You know? Miss Williams, can you answer that same question? What have you learned, seen about yourself and uh, the children?
2: Well, what I saw about myself is that, um, uh, it took a lot for me to continue mm. and what i noticed in the children they were more resilient than the parents are than the adults are they kept on right on trucking and when i was standing okay what am i going to do next what am i going to do next okay i got to remember to take this temperature i got to remember to wash this hand i got to remember to sanitize this i got to remember this remember that and it became overwhelming but when i looked at the kids i knew they responded to how I was doing that day. So I had to make sure that I was together so they could be together. So I had to be just as resilient as they were.
0: Awesome. And resiliency, when you're talking about their adaptations, we're talking about some of them wearing masks as well.
2: Right. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> they actually, I think they thought it was a game cause you know, they just, cause I went out to buy colorful masks. I didn't get them the paper masks. And the, the character mask. So they just, okay. they picked their own mask and they put their own mask on and, you know, you saw your mask slipping. and they picked it up. And when they fell off, they, here they come telling you, I need my mask. I need my mask. Um, and here we are trying to breathe out of our, you know, <laughs> and, and put it back, you know, and they, they was just chucking right along.
0: So what about you, Miss Williams? Can you share with us what you've learned about yourself and the children?
2: already okay. um so basically what i learned is that um to look at the opportunities in the midst of adversity so mm-hmm. um, um during the midst of the time even though i was closed i mm-hmm. went through to a uh, zoning and i was able to get um get approved for increasing capacity even though i haven't went through with it yet like i can mm-hmm. go and apply for any time so even though i'm still six once i get fully enrolled then i'll take that next step for an increase in capacity and I've also went through the start rating process during this time as well so I kind of looked at the opportunity that I had it kind of slowed things down a little and I actually realized I kind of needed that because a lot of times we're just go 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 we never take a break to just like sit back and look where we're at look at the different things we need to do so um yeah no, I, I
0: appreciate you bringing that out. It was, some of the data that we are seeing is that more and more programs and educators actually took advantage of this opportunity to do just what you said, right? Mm-hmm. So we've seen an uptick in providers who are participating in Great Start to Quality Michigan's tier quality rating improvement system and going back to school and getting additional credentials or degrees. Um, so thank you for being an example of that. Uh, and I think we are. I'm just so grateful um, for you all in the work that you do, um, not only because you know the children are really important to me personally and in the work that I do, but that you always step in the gap and are flexible um and take advantage of the things uh to be able to do what you need to do. Mr. Mm-hmm. Gore, what has this last year taught to you about yourself and, and your children?
1: Um, the last year has that um, I can be the dad that I be. I can be very attentive, and uh, you know, form like uh, a a really good relationship with girls. Um, I know some people, uh, or for me, I didn't have the the greatest relationship with my dad growing up. I, I got that a little bit later in life, um, but I had like some inside, like you know, wondering if I would be a good dad. Um, wondering if I could, you know, form these bonds, but, um, the last year has taught me that I can do everything that I thought I could and more, um, as far as my relationship with them and being attentive and, you know, having our inside jokes and our, um, uh, like all of our fun, but also being, um, you know, a dad and teaching them and educating them also. Um, so it gave me a lot of power, I guess, this this past year, a lot of, um, Confidence.
0: Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. I want to circle back to you just for uh, one moment, Ms. Valentine, because you brought up a a subject that we've been hearing a lot about. If you could, you spoke to it from a parent's perspective, but I wonder if you could tease out a little bit more what virtual learning for school age children has looked like, the challenges it may have presented. Um, And if Ms. Williams, you've had any virtual children, please feel free to jump in.
2: I think for the students that ended the school year in June of 2020, um, it was definitely more challenging than those children that enter into this school year already virtually. Um, For a lot of the children that were um, finishing up the school year virtually, it was traumatizing. It was traumatizing because it was something different than what they were used to. Um, And with us not trying to keep them on as long, because we've been taught for years, you know, preschool and early childhood is not designed to be virtual. Um, We had to really, really be creative. And so at New Paradigm. Our entire CMO of preschool teachers, we actually came together to see what was working, what wasn't working, um, what is too much, what is too little. And so getting feedback from the families really allowed us to be able to um, pinpoint those things that we needed to do in each Classroom because each classroom was totally different um, to be able to meet that need and to continue to prepare those students so that they they have a great start for kindergarten right and so um, the feedback that we received from the parents they were just so excited. Um, we had some parents that were not connecting on. And so, again, New Paradigm really pushed us as providers to say, hey, listen, let's do wellness checks with our parents. We need you all to check in with them, see how they're doing. And when we did those wellness checks, we found out a lot about our families. And so, again, providing those additional resources and going outside of the classroom, there were times where I couldn't get families to connect Due to the digital divide, and so I would teach on their porch. So again, for a lot of people, that was afraid during that time. But in my mind, I just kept thinking: if everyone is scared, <laughs> you know, to go outside of their home, how are our children going to be helped? You know, how are they going to receive the support that they need to ensure that they're ready for the next chapter of their life? And so, it really, really took creativity. It took working together, so it's a huge partnership. Um, But most of all, I think it took for us to show the children and for them to show us what it is that they really, really enjoy doing and for us to give them new information and those activities that they like to do already.
0: Thank you for sharing that. So I would like for you to think about your experience working with providers or providers you working with your families. What are you most thankful for?
4: Ah, uh, estoy agradecida con ellos porque a pesar de del del peligro, del peligro que estuvieron, uh, ellos estuvieron ahí siempre para apoyar. Y este y más que nada porque a pesar de todo, ah, uh, pues han dado su servicio y han y han mirado que que necesitamos de su ayuda y, y no lo han pensado ellos han nos han ayudado.
5: Bueno, lo más hemos she say she's um say uh, thank you so much to for the um, the uh, the teachers because they are there always when when she most need it and and for stay either in um, I don't know how to say it. If we risk our lives and for the kids.
0: That's a beautiful thing to be thankful for.
3: I will say I am most thankful for uh the quality of care that Demetria provides to her children. Um uh, my son is three years old and he's been attending her daycare since he was three months old. And, you know, being a first time mom, you're, you're always scared to let go, you know, let go of your child. Um, You're always nervous, but you know, he loves it there. She's always um, very hands on with the children and it shows, you know, it shows when he comes home, he always wants to return to daycare. He's always asking for Demetra. He's always asking for friends. So just her, um, just the work that she do and the love that she has for her children, I'm very thankful for.
0: That is awesome. A great testament to you, Miss Wilson. <laughs> How about you, Miss Jasmine? What are you most thankful for?
2: Um, I'm thankful for Miss Cherie. Um, like, um she just said that as a first-time mom, you'd be, you know, scared to just send your child to anyone. And I had addressed that to Miss Cherie when I first did my consultation with her. And she um ensured me that Miracle was in great hands. Like, you know, it was like family. It wasn't like I just met her. Like, her spirit was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, She's very patient with my daughter. Um, Well, at home, she's a different kid, but at school, she's an angel. <laughs> but um like it she just gave my trust like and I'm so thankful for her like I don't when COVID hit like I was like oh my god what I'm gonna do about child you know babysitters like I don't have all of that and um she was only like two I think she was five months when it hit so she's been going to her since she was two months I want to say And when she went back just then, um, it was like she had already knew her. Like, you know, it just made me feel good. And I'm very appreciative for Agape Love, Miss Cherie. Like, it's their family. (laughs)
0: <laughs> awesome. another beautiful testament and one that I really appreciate and showing that early childhood educators are not just babysitters that we're they're doing really really important work and setting foundations for our children and their learning and so let's let's go to you miss cherie and and this lovely one who's now joined our our video call All All right, are you most thankful fun.
3: yeah
2: hi so for me, I'm most grateful. I am really grateful for having understanding parents. And I asked Jasmine to be on here because she was my very first um, parent, basically. And Miracle was what, three months when Miracle started? Yeah. And so and then like even during the pandemic, she's very understanding and she communicated a lot with me. I really appreciate that. So we we really had a really good communication system going on. And, you know, she was patient with me. I was patient with her. She's like, you know what? I'm not ready. I'm like, I understand. Take your time, you know. And so I really do appreciate that. I really do having good um, appreciate having good understanding parents during this time. And it just makes the whole process a lot better.
3: Yeah. Okay. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Well, Miss Valentine, uh, will you answer that same question? What are you most thankful for?
2: I'm most thankful for um, my parents. Miss um, Ramos is just one of many of my parents in my class. And during this period of time, At our school, we have the language barrier. And so when we can't translate, we use Google Translate. Um, They teach me Spanish, I teach them English, and we really, really work together to ensure that um, their children, because when I tell families, when they enter into my classroom, you enter into a village. This is a partnership, and so um, I'm thankful that they come into the village with with embracing. And then also, I just wanna say that I'm thankful. I had a five-year-old student last school year who lost his mom in the midst of it. And just to see his face turn towards his grandmother while she was crying, He said, Grandma, don't worry, you got me. You still got me, you know, so I'm thankful for that. But most of all, I'm so thankful because when students step into our classroom, their families step into our classroom and we become one big family. So I'm really, really thankful for that, Um, as well as Miss Ramos. When I go drop stuff off for her daughter, um, she always wants me to come in. She feeds me, (laughs) you know, so I'm really, really thankful and I'm grateful for that.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for that testament, Veronica. What are you most grateful for?
2: I am grateful for the unity that came, especially in the uh, community and our parents. Uh, we more unified um, some of the churches and um, businesses brought food baskets when they knew that I was a child care facilities, so they brought food baskets for them. They made sure I knew where the food baskets were and they just loaded up my little car with all that food to give to my parents. And in turn, my parents knew that we were having a hard time getting PPE, like the sanitizing, um, Solutions, and they were bringing that in. When they found it, they brought it into the daycare. So I'm just grateful that we all unified together and did it together and pulled together to succeed.
0: Yes, I think we had very, very wonderful, beautiful examples of that. So thank you for sharing, Mr. Goree?
1: Um Yes, I just thankful for um, the dedication and the hard work and the uh, the love that that's shown like my girls love going to daycare they love their um auntie and pat and um as soon as they get home they can't wait to tell me about what they did or what they learned at school or well, my oldest girl doesn't my younger one's too too small um but um it makes me feel and my wife feel at ease knowing that they're in good hands when they're not here um even when my my older daughter she goes to bed, she she puts uh, Miss Williams and patting her prayers before she goes to bed. So I know I, I can feel at ease with them being there, and I'm just thankful for everything—the education, the things that they they learn, um, all the activities that they bring home, that they continue. Um, I'm just I'm thankful for for that.
0: Let's let's hear from Miss Wilson here. You've heard a lot of great things from your parent. we did you for?
2: Well, first I want to say thank you, Stacia. I really, really appreciate that. Um, well, one I want to first say, since the pandemic, I had lost a lot of kids, and parents were very fearful of bringing their children to daycare and to schools because now I have quite a few school age kids um, in my daycare. So. I just wanted to kind of put that out there first. And secondly, I am most grateful and thankful for parents like Stacia, um, because she's trusting as along with all my other parents, trusting in me um, to make sure that their children, when they come to my daycare, that they're safe, you know, and in a clean environment, um, just so the parents can be able to go to work and make a living for, you know, themselves and their children. So I'm really, really grateful.
0: Awesome, let's talk about what you just raised, um, stepping in the gap once again, early childhood educators for school-age children who were in virtual hybrid learning. How has the experience um, changed your offering of care? Uh, What are some of the adaptations you've
2: had to make
0: in order to be able to support school-age children?
2: So let's start with first my helper, (laughs) my staff. So her coming in, assisting me, working with me with my um, toddlers and infants, where I'm now able to go in and work with my school-age kids. It is very, very challenging uh, working with school-age and infants and toddlers, um, Mm -hmm. because not only do the babies and toddlers need you, the school-age kids, once they get stuck on a question or they need um, help with schoolwork, I have to be right there to assist them, too. So it's it's tough, but we're making it work. You're doing it. You're doing we're doing
0: it. it yeah. Are any of your parents participating in the SOAR scholarship to support you in that? Or are your parents um, eligible for other assistance for school
2: age? Um, I have one parent who's um, who's um, approved for child care through the state of Michigan. The other parent, no, she's just paying out of pocket. Okay. Yeah.
0: So this is um, a really impactful conversation because we don't often get our educators alongside their parents. Um, We were intentional about trying to make sure that you had the opportunity to share together because we truly believe that the education and development of young children should be a partnership. Uh, Essentially, parents are the first teacher. They're the first teachers that children know and and learn from. Um, And then you, as you share here today, uh, trust that continued development, nurturing and education to someone else. How challenging was it for you parents to, uh, you shared a little bit about this, but to find a quality environment, did you were you lucky, uh, fortunate in your first steps to land with Miss Wilson to land with Miss Williams, or did you have to go through a couple of steps? and um, how did you find her
3: um, I'll start. Um, so, uh, Demetria, I mean, I've always heard a lot of great things about her daycare center. And I was actually going to look into in home daycare opposed to a center for my child because I um, I just why. feel like. Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. I wanted to know why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like it's more, um, my child still feels at home. You know, he can have that that feeling of comfortability. I know, you know, a younger child going to a center and I mean, it it could have been a lot for him, but just to have that home feeling um, and being able to closely work with, I know a lot of the centers, you have a variety of children, you know, just being able to work with a provider one-on-one, Um, And get that attention that he needs is what I was looking for. So I was able to find her just through through hearing great things about her in home daycare. And, um, you know, she's all over the Internet and I just see a lot of great feedbacks, a lot of pictures. And, you know, that just um, made me open to try her out. And he loves it. You know, he's three and he will be there. He's not going anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) so one other question along
0: that line i'm I'm happy to hear that you two came together um is is miss wilson's program near your home or work and what how important were those two things to your choice
3: oh very important so yes she's very close um actually she's about 10 minutes away from me and that was actually you know to kind of stick with my route to not to put pressure on myself and make it harder but you know I drop him off and I go straight to work so it's a straight shot so that was actually a big um part of uh another reason why I chose to go to her because you know she's in the area she's not nowhere far and um yeah thank you Mm -hmm. I want to just ask the
0: same question to you, Miss Jasmine. So, how did you make the choice of of ending up at Agape Love?
2: Um, Miss Williams, she know my cousin, and I was just uh, on Facebook one day, and I was like, I want to find a perfect place for my daughter to go. I'm a first time mom. Like you hear so much about kids getting hurt at daycare, kids dying, all type of stuff like that in care of other people. And my cousin had um, inboxed me about Miss Cherie and she had said that she was, you know, new to the field and everything. And uh, she's a great person. You know, just told me a little bit about her. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to look into her. So I had um, messaged her and I think my consultation with her was like a week later. And when I walked in, like it was clean, um, everything was very organized, her spirit was just beautiful. So I decided to go with her. I said, Oh, this is it and miracle lover. And like she said, we stuck. We not going nowhere. I love
0: awesome. it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Miss Cherie and Miss Demetria, what made you choose to and stay in even all the things you've shared before, um, early childhood education and care? Why are you in this field in this work?
2: Well, I go first. Uh, I love it. I love mm-hmm. being a caregiver before childcare, I used to work in group homes, uh, mentally disabled, challenged people. And in mm-hmm. order to do that, you have to have total patience. Uh, you got to have a big heart. Um, you gotta wanna do it, you know, and that's where I am with childcare. So after that, I stepped into childcare, been doing it for 23 years. Um, I love caring for the children. I love teaching the children. Um, I love just learning more stuff to educate myself. Um, as like with um, let me see, um Grace Arts Quality, the stars. So I went from a three-star, now I'm a four-star, working on a five star. Uh, went from mm-hmm you know, family child care provider, and I'm a group child care provider. All of this was during the COVID last year, and just now completed my CDA. So, you know, I just love what I do. I love engaging with the children. I can hear your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations
0: for all those achievements too. Thank you. Ms. Cherie, can you answer that question? Why are you doing this?
2: Um, I love you. always have loved youth, and that's just my passion. I just have a passion for them. Um, I've been volunteering, believe it or not, and I used to volunteer at Head Start when I was 14 years old. Wow. So um, I have been in the capacity of being in a, working in a daycare, working with Head Start, and even out of the classroom. But um, what drove me to start my home is my son. So Mm I was like, you know, I want to be there with him during those times. I've been doing this for so long. So, you know, um, so that kind of stirred me in this season to open up my own. I've always had. Um, I've always known I was gonna do it, but I always knew that it would be when I have children of my own so um so yeah, but um, but I love working with youth, and I feel like they deserve to have quality care. I feel like they deserve to be in a nurturing, loving environment. um mm-hmm. you do see a lot, you know, and you can't really change other places, but you can do the best in your own facility and um and so that's kind of like what drove me to.
0: Love it. Love it. You two are speaking to my soul. I appreciate you so much. I'm going to move us to our our last question, I think, for today. Um, One of the end goals uh, for HOPE starts here, which is this community-wide movement to ensure that there is a system that's coordinated, responsive to the needs of children, families and their caregivers, uh, educators, is that by 2027, Detroit is in fact a city that puts young children and families first. We have a framework to guide that work. We have community-based organizations working for toward, to the, move forward each imperative, and folks like you all, parents, providers, who are also informing what we do. So that 2027, we do, in fact, reach that goal, uh, are very close to it. So here we are in 2021. What is one thing that you believe we must do in order to achieve that goal by 2027?
4: Yo pienso que ahorita con este año que pasamos, no hubo mucha relación entre maestro y papas, pero esperamos que para los años próximos, yo pienso como que los maestros deben involucrar un poquito más a los papás um, para tener una buena relación y este um, por ejemplo como como si se pudiera acomodar como una clase entre semana para que nos enseñen como a papás a, a cómo trabajar con niños, porque a veces um, no tenemos ideas cómo puedes trabajar con tu niño, pero si el maestro uh, te da ideas, tú puedes trabajar más con tu hijo. Y, y así miramos como que el maestro te interesa, se interesa en ti y, y a uno le da más confianza de, de estar um, como involucrados en la escuela. Y así podemos trabajar juntos.
5: Okay, uh, she said the last year we don't uh, have the opportunity to meet each other, uh, teachers and parents, but uh, she hope this year um, we had more interaction with the parents and she want to request us uh, opportunity to go to the classroom and let them opportunity to, to show them how they care um. Uh, how they care their kids and how um, make them to learn uh, in home and um, she gonna appreciate if if we make something like that.
0: Thank you for sharing Miss Ramos and for translating Ms. Sanchez and what I'm hearing is more parent engagement authentic engagement in classrooms so that they're learning uh, as alongside their children and supporting the education and development of their children. So thank you for that. What is the one thing we must get right? I'm gonna start with you this time, Miss Peronica. We're in 2021 by 2027 is our goal. What must we get right? I think
2: that um, government Needs to take child care seriously, and they need to raise the budget and put more money into child care, um, so that we can have the education that the teachers need, um, and we can do more. Uh, and the parents need to be able to get more assistance without breaking their budget, um, because children are important. Children, as they always say, is our future. And if you don't put time and money into your future, your future is nothing. So I think we need to raise the budget for childcare, be able to um, put more into the children, build a stronger foundation. And if we can do that, um, then bring unity to all parts, like the the young lady said, where the parents can be engaged and the parents don't have to uh, work two jobs, a job and a half to pay childcare, but it can be financed some other kind of way. I don't know what other kind of way we can do. But if our budget can be raised to do that and put more importance on the child and child care and the family, we'll make it. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Right now, we one of Hope Starts Here policy priorities is to ensure that we're tied barring increases for families and for. Providers. So we know in the governor's recommendations, there is this increase in terms of eligibility around subsidy for our parents so that we get up to 200% of federal poverty level, allowing for more opportunities for more families to take advantage of that support um, for childcare. We've only seen on the other side of that, though, a 10% increase for. Providers. And so we believe, like you, that it's important to tie bar those two increases so that you make sure that the supply and the demand are increasing at the same levels. What must we get
2: right, Ms. Valentine? So often, the organizations are competing for the same dollars. If we can find a way to collaborate, um, stop making organizations recreate the will because there's so many families with children that are in between the cracks you know and when they're in the in between the cracks there's no resources available for them, and so there has to be a push and not just a push from hope start here but a push from every community within every organization within our community that says, listen, no longer do we want to compete for dollars. We wanna work together to maximize the resources for the families in our community is so important. And so if that pressure is there by 2027, we will see a change, not in just um, our children, but in our families and our crime rate in our city. So I think that's really, really important.
0: Awesome. And the beauty of Starts here is that it is a collective effort. It is a cooperative effort. From its very beginning, we had 18,000 Detroit residents inform that framework, and we continue to uh, work to engage community and partners in the conversations that create these contributions, These very intentional contributions to the system to better coordinate it. So we're looking at how health is interfacing with early childhood education. You all made pure and perfect examples of of those intersections today. Um, But we know that all the things in the child's early development are important. um, And we want to make sure that those organizations, parents and community members are a part of the decisions that we make. So Mr. Gorey, what must we get right to reach our 2027 goal?
1: um i was just gonna second everything that Miss williams and uh Miss valentine said said about um, just getting more resources and putting as much the um the early development of and help for families um you know every, every there's no excuse should have it that they need as far as resources education development so i I can't really say any better than uh, uh, those ladies uh, said Um. it.
2: I would say to educate the community about pandemics, such as this one, COVID, so that children and families can be more aware and to continue practicing just different ways to say things.
0: Thank you. Anyone who wants to go next?
3: Yeah. I, I would go. Um, I would say togetherness I mean it does take a village um, just getting out there in a the community and educating people on how to support one another um, I do see that it is has always been a challenge because people don't know and specifically the, the poor communities don't know how to get out and utilize their resources because they don't have them or they don't know how so just like Ms. Wilson said, it's just getting out to educate the community on, you know, having the awareness on what's going on or what resources are out there for them to utilize and, you know, being able to come together and support one another. So I do think that um, Hope Starts Here could get to that point when, when people are more educated and um, just coming together to to build that, Thank you. that foundation.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Miss Jasmine, what do we
2: need to get right? We need to get right. I really don't know what to say. Um, Maybe um, a little more security, I'm going to say. I don't know. Uh, like Ms. Cherie said, like some financial stability type things, or if we do hit another rut and things do have to shut back down, it should be something for the daycare providers where they don't have to be like in a struggling situation to keep their business up during that time. Um, And that's pretty much it, I guess.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. Thank you.
2: Ms. Cherie? I'm I'm kind of along the same line as Jasmine Clements because I really feel like in order for us to be first and specifically even looking at Detroit, um, you have a, a, a urban environment. You have an environment where your most vulnerable children are and families, um, and there needs to be more finances pushed in that area. Not only for, not only. How can I say it? Okay, some of you may be familiar with programs such as um, early Head Start programs, uh, partnerships, childcare partnerships, yes. more things like that, where they come alongside that provider. They provide the training for the staff. You mm-hmm. you go from one staff to two staff. You have the finances to pay that extra staff that you need to provide that quality care. You have assistance for the families for the children everybody's winning the community's winning you know so more opportunities like that right now it is something that I tried to link up with however there were no openings in my area you know you have openings on the west side um so just just more things like that that will really really boost the um the city not just for the provider not just for the parents but the whole community so
0: Awesome. So early Head Start Child Care Partnerships do provide an opportunity to layer funding. Um, you are supported by those early Head Start programs, Head Start programs uh, in professional development. And the layering comes in from the contracts that those grantees give to community based organizations like yours um, so that you could, if you're receiving subsidy, for example, you can also receive subsidy and get that contract. So that's where the layering comes in. I do think it's a model that we can replicate in other forms in order to be able to expand on. So even if you didn't have the opportunity under that current offering, I do think there are versions of it that we can definitely take advantage of. So what I'm hearing from you all, just to to summarize what I hear you want to make sure that we're intentional about and, and very attentive. To is making sure that there is access. We increase access for families. We are providing the kind of information um, that equips you to make informed decisions about where you're putting your children, uh, what other basic needs or wraparound supports are available to you and and your family, Um, and that we stabilize early childhood programs because they're essential and they're needed for you all to work and go to school and for you as programs to be able to continue doing the great work that you do. Know that these things are all on our agenda uh, for Hope Starts Here. Some of the policy work that we do, some of the work we are doing with our imperative leads for the six imperatives and 15 strategies that make up the Hope Serts Here framework. I really thank you for your time today. Uh, We've learned a lot. I think we've shared a lot that others can relate to. Your voice is critically important. I'm so grateful that that you came to have a seat at this virtual table. Uh, And I look forward to learning more about your successes um, and hopefully being able to see your little ones grow and be a testament in person to the wonderful foundation that you've given them. So thank you for being with
3: us today.